Good morning, brothers and sisters. He is risen. And if you were at the church and we were gathered together as a congregation and I was preaching behind the pulpit, you would respond and I would hear you respond. He is risen indeed. So what I want you to do, especially if you are watching this at 6.30 a.m., is I'm going to say he is risen and I want you to respond. He is risen indeed at the top of your lungs. I want the whole neighborhood, the whole town of Lakewood, the whole world to know at this sunrise that Christ is risen and they should get their butts out of bed and celebrate the risen Christ. So on three, ready? He is, wait, I said on three, didn't I? On three, one, two, three, he is risen. And then you respond, he is risen indeed. Oh, uh, I think my neighbor is about ready to come over and, and punch me, but that's okay. It's all right. So it is Easter and this is an unexpected Easter. I did not expect to be preaching from my kitchen table on Easter morning. And brothers and sisters, why did I choose my kitchen table? One, so I could have coffee and breakfast, uh, but two, as a representation that in, in the empty tomb we have our resurrected Savior, and in that we have a resurrected hope. But hope isn't just about resurrection. Hope is about it continually rising in people's lives day after day, week after week, month after month, in our communities and in our world. So what I want us to be aware of is who we have at our tables, who we invite to our tables, really is representative of the kingdom of God. God uh, invited all people to his table, and I pray that we as a community, we as Christ followers, um, and would invite people to our tables. But if you are not a Christ follower, know, brothers and sisters, that one, you are invited to this table this morning, but two, you are invited to God's feast, God's table, because Jesus resurrected and your sins are forgiven. The ch choice is, are we gonna follow and put our hope in a resurrected savior? Or are we gonna put our hope in dead things? We can put our hope in living things or dead things. That is where we are going today. So grab a cup of coffee. Um, and one thing I wanna mention is if you are watching this at 6.30 a.m., it is my hope and prayer that you are not as well-dressed as I am. I hope you're still in your comfy clothes, in your pajamas or sweatpants. Have a cup of coffee and are just enjoying watching this message. And bonus points if you are still in bed watching this message. So before we get to the Easter story, let me pray for all of us. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you came, that you were among us, that you were Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you that even though Christ suffered and died, that he rose on the third day so that in him our hopes can rise, our lives can be resurrected. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be with us on this day and on every day. 
And God, I pray that it is your spirit that speaks through me this morning and not just my own words. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and everyone gathered together in their homes, in their beds, drinking coffee at their kitchen table, said, Amen. Amen, brothers and sisters. Oh, but as excited as I am to celebrate Easter, it wasn't supposed to be this way. It wasn't supposed to be this way. This isn't how we planned Easter in the beginning. We were going to have three services, a sunrise service, a, a service at 9, and a service at 11, and, and a great brunch, and a great feast, and a great celebration. But COVID-19 disrupted our plans. And I can't help but think that the followers of Jesus Christ were thinking the same thing at the first Easter. It wasn't supposed to be this way. The man that they thought would be the promised one, the Messiah, the man they thought would sit on the throne of David and restore Israel to its former glory, to its former might, the man that they had seen preach and teach and heal and perform miracles, the man they had seen raise people from death even, that man had died. That man had been hung on a cross. That man they had put their hope in was no longer. And how did we get from the cross to the empty tomb? Well, after Jesus had died on the cross, a man named Joseph of Arimathea went to Pontius Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was part of the council, the Jewish council, that had actually um, approved of Jesus' death. But Joseph, as a follower of Christ, did not approve of the council's decision. So after getting the body from Pontius Pilate, Joseph wrapped Jesus in linen cloths and then placed him in a tomb and rolled a stone in front of the tomb. And Pontius Pilate, aware that Jesus had predicted that he would rise again on the third day, actually sent guards to the tomb to keep watch. And on Easter Sunday, on the third day since Jesus' death, women who had prepared spices to put on the body of Jesus went to the tomb. And that's where I want to pick it up now in Luke chapter 24. Verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And the question the men at the tomb asked the women is the question that we must ask ourselves this morning. 
Why, brothers and sisters, do we look for the living among the dead? Why do we try to find hope in dead things? Why do we try to find life in things that only lead to death? The only thing, the only person that will bring us fulfillment, that will bring us purpose, that will bring us ultimate life, that will bring us eternal life, is the man that death could not hold, is the man that Satan could not kill, is the man who rose from that tomb on that day, the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ, that brothers and sisters, he, brothers and sisters, God, brothers and sisters, is who we put our hope in. He is the living among the dead. And in this time, where life is disrupted, where COVID-19 is causing us to have to change plan and plans and change expectations of how life looks and works, I pray that this is a time where we are as individuals and as a community recognizing that some of the things that we put our hope in aren't actually that secure, may actually end up not being things that we should ultimately put our hope in for our own happiness, for our own fulfillment, for our own purposes. And some of those things, brothers and sisters, are power power and money and might and control, worldly success and money, politics, and this one I love. I, I see more people on social media, even during Holy Week, posting about political things, Democrat or Republican, elephant or donkey, posting about those things rather than the, the joy of seeing a savior, you're arguing about politics and who's right and wrong rather than living into the truth of the one who is always right, the truth of the one who is always life. Democrats, a donkey cannot give you life. Republicans, an elephant cannot give you life. I have never seen a donkey raised from death. I have never seen an elephant raised from death. I have seen the lion of the tribe of Judah. He did rise from death. Brothers and sisters, politics is our idol. Politics is what we put our hopes in. And politics will ultimately lead to death. Relationships, another thing that we hope in. And relationships, I pray that in your life, your relationships are healthy and, and loving. And relationships are so powerful and so important, but they can become our idols. They don't last to eternity. They only last in this lifetime. And while very important, they shouldn't be the thing that we focus on above all other things. And we focus on power, we focus on money, we focus on politics, we focus on wealth and success because we want affirmation we want love we want people to think well of us we want comfort in this life we want to be able to control our own destiny and in all of that that leads me to the the final thing that we need to put to death 
the final thing that we put our hope in that is really ultimately dead. And that is ourselves. You may be thinking, Tyler, you're a pastor. Aren't you supposed to be saying that people are good and wonderful and awesome and, and that if we do good and moral things that God will love us? No. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that our sin has separated us from God. God, a holy God that can do no wrong, cannot be in the sight of people who are doing wrong. We are sinners. And yes, we are loved, we are worthy, we are made in the image of God. And that is why God sent his son to die for us on the cross. That shows what great lengths God will go to show his love to us. Jesus was whipped. He was nailed to the cross. He hung there and died of either heart failure or suffocation. We don't know, but he did die. God loves us so much that Jesus died for our sins and rose on the third day, defeating sin, Satan, and death. And that is why we celebrate the empty tomb, because in the empty tomb, we have forgiveness. We have reconciliation with God. We have the free gift of God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. But unless we accept that free gift, unless we choose to turn to God, unless we choose to die to our sin and live in God's righteousness and holiness, if we trust in ourselves, if we trust in our abilities, if we trust in us, that leads to death. We have to die to ourselves so that Christ can live in us. Ernest Becker says this, man is literally split in two. He has an awareness of his own splendid uniqueness and that he sticks out of nature with a towering majesty. And yet he goes back into the ground a few feet in order blindly and dumbly to rot and disappear forever. We are nothing without Christ. We are nothing without his love and mercy and forgiveness. Because without him, without the empty tomb, without the risen Savior, our life, no matter how great it is, no matter how much money we accumulate, no matter how much success we have, no matter how many people we have power over, our life ultimately leads to a grave where we rot. It leads to nothingness. And if that is our end, then what's the purpose of this life in the first place? Why live when we can't carry anything with us? But instead, maybe we should die to self, die to our desires, die to our sin, and live for the one who brings life. Live for the one who brings justice. Live for the one who brings hope. 
Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. George Herbert says, Death used to be an execution, but the good news of the gospel has made death just a gardener. The good news of the gospel has made death just a gardener. That means, brothers and sisters, death in our lives, if we die to self, means that we are planting a garden that will bear fruit in our own lives, in our families, in our communities. We are planting the fruit of peace, of love, of righteousness, of justice. That is what our own death dying to self leads to it leads to a rising with christ it leads to a resurrected hope it leads to new life in christ and peter the one who the the women went back and told about the tomb after hearing from the women that the tomb was empty he ran to the tomb and saw it for himself and later on in his life, Peter would write about the new birth in Christ in 1 Peter chapter 1. And starting in verse 3, going to verse 9, Peter says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance which can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us, shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while we may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of our faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you do not know him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Brothers and sisters, oh, what glorious joy we have. Oh, what hope we have. Oh, what new life the resurrection brings. Even in trials and tribulations, even in this time of COVID-19, even in this time of disruption, Easter brings us new life. Easter brings us a new identity. Easter brings us forgiveness. And Easter brings us eternal life and love. You are invited, brothers and sisters, to the feast of the kingdom of God, which I pray will have better food than peanut butter toast. But it's a feast you are invited. You have new life in Christ. All you have to do is die to self. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. 
but I receive your forgiveness. I receive your mercy. I receive your love. I want to die to self and live for you. I want hope to be resurrected in my life. And not only that, brothers and sisters, I pray that hope will continue to rise. And I want to share this parable that Jesus shared, the parable of the wedding feast. So there was a master who was at that time preparing a great feast and he sends out invitations to the feast and people make all sorts of excuses for why they cannot come to this wedding feast. So he compels his servants to go out into the to the streets and alleys of the city and to the to the lanes and country roads out in the country and compels the the lame, the crippled, the blind, and the poor to come in to the feast because he wants his feast to be full. He wants his table to be ready and to be full with people enjoying the feast of the kingdom of God. And brothers and sisters, you have an invite to that feast. You can either make an excuse why you don't want to attend. You can make an excuse why you don't want to believe in the resurrection. You can make an excuse of why you would rather live for dead things rather than dying so that you can live for eternal things. You can make that excuse. Or you can choose to come to the feast. Join us. Eat well and worship God for all of eternity. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we would make that choice to want to be at God's table. And I have a, an exhortation, a challenge for all of us who are followers of Christ. And it's a pretty simple one. I want you to invite one person, not two, not three, just one person who is currently outside of your circle and invite him into your circle or her into your circle this week. And you're saying, Tyler, I don't have the gift of hospitality. I suck at cooking. Um, or in this season, we can't even invite people over to our house. I'm with you. Because I don't have the gift of hospitality either. But I have the gift of sending a text message. I have the gift of making a phone call. I have the gift of writing a letter. I have the gift of going on FaceTime or Zoom and communicating and connecting with people. Let's not use this time to make excuses of why we're not inviting people to the feast of the kingdom of God, why we're not inviting people into eternity, why we're not sharing about Easter to other people. Christ is risen, brothers and sisters. That should compel us to share the good news and yell the good news to everyone we meet, everyone we know. We should want people to know our risen Lord and Savior and have life abundantly in Him. We should want people to turn away from the dead things of this world and live for the eternal things of life. One person, brothers and sisters, this week, reach out to one person and share with them the hope of Easter. Let us be Easter people, brothers and sisters. 
in every moment and every minute and every day of our lives. There is no greater thing we can share. And if you aren't a Christian, there is no greater thing you can put your hope in than the one who conquered sin, Satan, and death, the one who is with us now. Death is either going to be our execution or it's going to be our garden. We can live for the things of this world and die, or we can die to self and live for the things of God. Let us find life in the things that are eternal. Let us not find life in the things that will lead to death. Brothers and sisters, the choice is ours. Let us be Easter people. Let us be resurrection carriers. Let us be hope dealers. Brothers and sisters, there is a contagion that is greater than COVID-19, and that contagion is hope. Let us spread that hope because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate your resurrection, to celebrate Jesus, our Lord and Savior. God, I pray for all of those who do not know you. I pray that they would come to you, come to know your forgiveness, your mercy and love. May they make that choice this morning and choose to not live for sin, but live for you. And God, for those of us that are followers of you, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, we can continue to grow in relationship with you and with one another. And God, I pray that we would never be ashamed of your gospel, the good news that you didn't stay in the tomb, but Jesus rose on the third day. Thank you, Jesus. And sometimes that's all we can say is just thank you. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen, brothers and sisters. Thank you for celebrating Easter with us. I pray that you can now go back to, to breakfast, which I am, I am going to do. And after our sermon, we usually take an offering. And as I say every week, I don't want you to feel obligated to give. But if you can, please give online at gracecovenantlakewood.org. Or you can also mail a check to our church address. And if this message has blessed you and you are not part of Grace Covenant Lakewood, please also consider giving. We don't give because we have to, brothers and sisters. We give because he is risen. We give because God poured out his love for us. And giving is our one of our ways to respond to that love, to respond to that mercy, to respond to that forgiveness. Go in peace, brothers and sisters. He is risen. He is risen indeed. May we respond by loving and serving our neighbor and invite one person into your circle this week. One person. Go in peace, brothers and sisters. Amen.